podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast with me, Phil Kittramelides and Sid Lowe. Sydney's just hopped off a train, which has been your sort of default setting the <laughs> last few bit, Mondays. Yeah, yeah you've, been, uh, you've been out and about uh, visiting uh, football matches, which uh, the rest of us can't do, so uh, you're in a lucky position and uh, we're very fortunate to have you and very fortunate for you to have seen two really good games or two interesting games, two of the biggest games this weekend yeah. in La Liga. You were at the camp now to see, uh, sorry, you were at uh, the uh, Stadio Ramon Sanchez Pizjuan to see Sevilla against Barcelona and you were in Villarreal last night uh, to see Villarreal against Atletico Madrid. Uh, let's tell you what happened on match day 25 in La Liga before we uh, get to a discussion of those games. The Friday night match saw Levante and Athletic Club uh, draw 1-1. These two sides meeting in the Copa del Rey semi-final this week. Their uh, second leg, uh, the first leg finished 1-1 as well. So it's uh, all going to be uh, pretty interesting on a Thursday night, it should be. Saturday, uh, Abar and Wesker also played out a 1-1 draw, which doesn't do either side uh, much good in their uh, hopes to try and avoid relegation. Then Barca beat Sevilla by two goals to nil. Usman Dembele scoring uh, for the first time in 10 matches. Lionel Messi also uh, adding one six minutes before the end. Uh, Osasuna is winning uh, a hugely important game at Alaves, beating them by a goal to nil to move them away from the relegation uh, places. They're six points above the drop zone now at Osasuna. They've had a pretty decent run. I think it's four wins in uh, six or seven games. And then Getafe beating Valencia by three goals to nil. I think Getafe hadn't had a shot on target in the last four matches, but they, they managed three goals against Valencia. A very important win for them. A disastrous defeat for Valencia. Yet another. They are right in this relegation battle as the tears of their defender, Gabriel Paulista, um, told us in the post-match interview. Then on Sunday, uh, Valladolid conceded in injury time to draw 1-1 at Celta. It could have been a really valuable win for them. Uh, Betis continued their excellent 2021. They won 1-0 at Cadiz with a late goal from uh, Juanmi. I think it's 20 points from a possible 27 for Betis uh, this year. They're up to sixth in the table. Uh, Granada rounding off what was an incredible week for them. They beat Napoli in the Europa League to progress to the last 16 and then they beat Elche 2-1 on uh, Sunday evening and uh, Atletico beating Villarreal 2-0 in a match which you witnessed Sydney first-hand an own goal from Pedraza and a marvellous finish from an angry João Felix giving Atletico mm-hmm. Madrid a, a 2-0 victory then Monday tonight we've got Real Madrid against Real Sociedad so it's not often we have Real Madrid playing on a Monday I can't remember when the last time was Sydney there mm. was this game with Jose Mourinho back in 2010 Classico. Yeah, the 5-0. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was the last one. I'm not entirely sure. Anyway, uh, if you want some more analysis on that game, uh, join us at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Tomorrow we're recording our Q&A podcast as we do uh, on every Tuesday. We take your questions, we answer them, and we'll probably also talk a bit about Real Madrid as well. Let's kick off then. Um, which game do you want to talk about first, Sevilla-Barca or Villarreal-Atleti? I think it makes sense to start with Sevilla-Barca yes. because I actually think the chronology matters. Okay. It doesn't always. Uh, and in some weeks it feels entirely relevant, and we have that weird fragmented feeling. But I think this week it matters. Um, and it matters because Barcelona won 2-0 yeah. because they played very, very well. And because it increased, I think, 
quite dramatically the sense of pressure on an Atletico Madrid side that were already under pressure uh-huh. um, that had dropped uh, what was it seven seven points in the last twelve of the last twelve possible points in the last four games, which is as many points as they dropped all season um, until then. And because they then, of course, been beaten by Chelsea, and I think there was a sense, wasn't there, that Atletico were were vulnerable. Yeah. That, that vulnerability that we hadn't seen all season was 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 very much kind of at the forefront, I think, of of, of everybody's minds because it was a big weekend with three big games, um, with the fact that Atletico Madrid play Real Madrid next weekend, and it kind of felt like the weekend that might really blow this wide open, that might even put. Barcelona in a position where they were right up behind Atletico Madrid and put Real Madrid in that position. And so that's why I think that this game mattered because it kind of set up what we saw the following night, apart from the fact that it mattered on its own, own terms, of course. Uh, speaking of set up, how did Barca set up for this game? Well, they set up in a very unusual way for, for them. They played um, three central defenders and two wing backs. Um, I think it probably is right to talk about it as three plus two rather than just three central defenders because the two wing backs were full backs. It was Alba and Dest. It's not like it was, you know, Dembele, say, on one side or Griezmann on one side or, or something like that. It was two fullbacks. So it was effectively five defenders. Although certainly Dest, much more than Alba, Dest played very, very high. Um there was a there was a nice graphic actually I saw somewhere, I can't remember where it was now, that showed the average positions. And I think I'm right in saying that only Dembele's average position was higher than Dest's right. on the pitch. Because of course Messi, who is the other forward, tends to drop so deep. Yes. So it was almost as if they played three, one, which was Busquets, then four, because obviously the two midfielders, De Jong and, and Pedri, and then the two wide men. And then up front Dembele with Messi. And Dembele as a centre forward, I must admit. I'm not entirely convinced by that idea, but he scored. Um, he's very useful in that he stretches the game. He gives someone in front of Messi running into space for Messi to play the ball to. And Messi's assist for him is a very, very nice pass. That said, it's also very open. And and he plays it with a kind of a, oh, there you go then. There's a sort of a calmness that's that's very striking. And I thought it largely worked really well for Barcelona. Whether it's something that can be repeated often, to be honest, I have my doubts. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a very good performance. And I think it was a good performance, and it's really important because Barcelona have actually been on a very good run. I, I, I was looking at this earlier, and I must admit I've already forgotten the statistics. But <laughs> I think Barcelona had only lost once in fifteen mm-hmm. in the league, mm-hmm. um, and the, you know they dropped that 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 draw against Cadiz last week, which was a real case of shooting themselves in the foot because actually their results have been very very good domestically apart from that. And yet uh, you've always kind of felt like yeah, but. Look at which games it is. And you, apart from Athletic Club, there's no one really in that run of games that you think, well, they shouldn't beat them. And so this was important because it was someone big. Bear in mind that they lost to Atletico. Bear in mind that they lost to Real Madrid. Uh, I must admit, I can't remember what they did against Sevilla the first time they met. 1-1. One, one. Was it? Right, yeah. okay, 1-1. One, one. Um, and this was a performance where they played well against a team that had, I think, not lost in nine and only conceded one goal in nine games domestically. Um, and they were convincing and they were comfortable all the way through it and there was a sense of control which I don't think we've seen very much of from Barcelona this season. Okay, how much was that down to Barcelona Good and question. the other part down to Sevilla? I don't know. Um, and that's very, very hard to put your finger on. Mm. I think it would be possibly a bit churlish to just say, well, it was, you know, Sevilla really didn't play well because we're talking about Sevilla here. We're talking about a side that have really impressed us yes. um, since the turn of the year in particular. But actually, Broadly speaking, throughout most of the season, um, they I think they were beaten two 0 by Atletico in the second week of January, and since then I think they hadn't been beaten, and as I say, had only conceded one goal. Um, 
I think they were caught out a little bit by Barcelona's formation, but they really didn't respond well. And there is a little bit of me that looks at Sevilla and think, well, their record against the biggest teams actually isn't that good. In fact, it's awful. And so you you kind of think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's just one draw over over in the four games across the the, the three other big teams right. in the seat, or the other three in the top four. Um, and you look at them and you think, is there something missing? So are they very reliable, but have a level that maybe they can't go beyond? And this, I suppose, is a difference between them and, and and Madrid and Barcelona. Which is Madrid and Barcelona, you watch them, you think their ceiling is so much higher than this, mm. but so often they don't reach it. Mm. Maybe Sevilla are playing at their level more often, mm. and on this occasion, came up against a Barcelona side who, had they played poorly, they could have beaten, but the plays well, maybe they can't. I think that's probably a, a slight step too far. And listening to Joan Jordan after the game, by the way, it's great to listen to. Very yes. analytical, very in-depth. He talked about uh, not so much of a lack of confidence, but he said a, a lack of assurance in terms of decision-making. And in particular, he said, in terms of those moments when you... The Spanish always refer to it as saltar, when you jump. In mm-hmm. other words, when you come out of the line to go and press. And he said, and we got those wrong too mm. often. And he said Barcelona ended up playing comfortably. And of course, that's... You know, you can't let Barcelona play comfortably. This was obviously a really important game in terms of La Liga, but also in terms of the Copa del Rey, because these two sides are meeting in the second leg of their semi-final on Wednesday evening. Sevilla winning the first leg 2-0. And it just feels like the nature of this tie has changed a little bit with this result at the weekend. It does. Um, And it it, it does again because they were very good, not just because they won, but they, they, they won comfortably. I guess... You know, the counter-argument to that is it's a very different type of game. Yes. Um, and if Sevilla score one, Barca need four. Barca need four. And this was a control game in which the ga- the goals happened rather than the game in which they were throwing everything yes. at Sevilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The goals kind of happened almost just as a, as a process of inertia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? A, a kind of a, a flow. Um, and I think getting two of those when you're chasing two is maybe slightly different. Maybe Sevilla's approach will be slightly different. Or maybe Sevilla, actually, rather than being defensive, which I suppose you would take to be the starting point, maybe Sevilla will go and attack them thinking that if we mm. get the goal, that's what kills this rather than trying to hold on to it because then you create nervousness and you you know the game might feel very long. Um, I think what really struck me about this, and this is why I, I say this kind of then plays in to the Atletico Madrid game. Yes. Is PK after the game? Yes. Now PK after the game, and I don't think he's wrong. By the way, I mean obviously it was partly he was trying to set a scene, and partly he was trying to create the conditions, but he was also reflecting the conditions. He said, and it was actually quite nice because he went over to speak to Ricardo Rossetti, who's the touchline reporter for Movistar, and he said, normally when I'm in front of a microphone, recently it's been not much fun. Yeah. It's been really quite difficult, but I'm quite pleased to be here today. It's a pleasure to be with you. He said, and, and I'm very proud of the way the team played today. And he said, and if you look at what we've done in 2020, there are reasons for some confidence. He sounded and a bit like the manager when he was speaking. He very, <laughs> very definitely did. Took on, very definitely took on a, a kind of a spokespersonal yeah, role. The, 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 the tone it was. Yeah, yeah. And, and he explicitly linked this to Wednesday night mm-hmm. as well. Not necessarily in terms of, we do this again, but in terms of, this is giving us confidence. And he said, and we're a team that's very much alive in La Liga. And he said, and we're alive in the cup. And if we were to turn it round in midweek, he said, that changes everything. Yes. Because we'd be in a final. We're very, very alive in the league. Note he'd kept the Champions League out of this whole discourse. Yes. Which I think is fair enough, by the way. Yeah. But, but just note the fact that he did. Um, in other words, he's not talking in kind of bold, you can't really do this terms. He's talking about things that are actually feasible. Mm. And he was asked, that lovely phrase that we talk about a lot, is there league? Yeah. And he said, absolutely, of course there is. Yeah, no, he was... Uh, absolutely, of course there is. Very de- definitive with and, that. And, and so, as I say, so, so there was the focus on the Seville 
second leg in the cup. But there was also the focus on, okay, tomorrow night, mm. Atletico Madrid have got to go to Villarreal and win, where, mm. by the way, they haven't won for five years now. He didn't say that. That's mm. me saying that. Mm. But he would have been very conscious of trying to put that pressure on them. And maybe, although slightly less so because it's not a catch-up game, a little bit on Real Madrid as well. Mm. Uh, before we move on and talk about Atletico Madrid's victory in, in Villarreal, we should talk about the story that, that broke this morning. Uh, Barca's former president, Josep Maria Bartomeu being arrested in mm. connection with the uh, Barcagate scandal, the investigation uh, into that scandal, the uh, the social media, um, the murky <laughs> social media doings of yeah. uh, of, of the club. If, yeah, we've talked. I about mean, the main before, thing, but... the main thing in legal terms, yeah, is 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 really about the way that this was paid for. Yes. Um, yes. Because actually, I think I think from a legal point of view, there really isn't any kind of case from the social media thing. It's clumsy. It's out of order. It's unacceptable. But I don't think it's necessarily legal, legally questionable. What is, uh, and that will, I'm what, sure, saying horrible things, saying nasty things about people on, online. <laughs> I mean, you know, sadly, that's not illegal. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately not. Unless, of course, it tips over into hate speech, yes. which it absolutely didn't. Um, the, the the key to this really is the way in which the payments for this were allegedly um, set to to come in just below the two hundred thousand euro limit at which there's an automatic internal audit yes in other words there's been a very um allegedly a very clear attempt to not necessarily for i mean we don't know what the reasons are but to at least not have to go through that process Mm. and I, i i think that will be the focus of this the focus of this will be the use of the money and the way it was if you like distributed Yes. Um, let's see what happens. It's just uh, <laughs> it's, it's just another story in what has been a wild twelve months for Barca. Uh, it's. <laughs> I mean, it's it really is yeah. incredible. I mean, it, it genuinely. It's is. ever since really the sacking of Valverde. It's all sort of come out. Yes. It's all sort of unravelled. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know. I mean, you know, the, you can take this whole thing back and say. Signing Neymar was kind of the spark <laughs> for so much of this. And this isn't necessarily about... Yeah. But that's kind of the beginning of everything. Yeah. You see what I mean? Mm. And okay. obviously it's not the beginning because, of course, the background to it is the people involved, the way in which they approach certain elements of their job. Did you notice there was, there was something very interesting in in um, that, that's been picked up off the back of the launch of ESPN's Galacticos documentary? Oh, yeah. That when... Is that out? That's out, isn't it? It's Have you seen it? The first, I haven't. No, I've seen some some clips. I haven't seen it yet. I keep meaning to speak to Martin Einstein, who's the director of it, to 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 see if I can arrange. Can we can we watch can it we here watch in Spain? How do we watch it? Uh, I think it's on the ESPN Plus player. I which, well, I don't have that. No, I don't. I must admit, I need to find out how. We how, have no I, idea. I, how I don't, to watch I don't even know how you, to watch this. You barely alone. know how to record a podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, one of the suggestions that came out of that was that when Barcelona signed. Sorry, when Real Madrid signed Brazilian Ronaldo, yes. that Sandra Rosé played a key part in making it happen. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Sandra Rosé, who subsequently went to prison. Yes. And his successor was Josep Maria Bartomeu. Yes. And there have been quite a few Barcelona presidents who have yeah. uh, been on the wrong side of the, of the law. Uh, but there we go. We'll uh, watch how that story develops. Very interesting. Um, so... To uh, the Estadio de la Ceramica then, where you were uh, last night, to watch Villarreal uh, lose uh, 2-0 against league leaders Atletico Madrid, who came into the game uh, with plenty of pressure on them, not least because Barcelona Mm. had won, not least because they'd been beaten by Levante, beaten by Chelsea in the Champions League, and all sorts of um, stuff had been said subsequently to those defeats. And yet they came out 
They won. They didn't play amazingly. No, they didn't. But they gritted their teeth. They won 2-0. They took their very few chances. If you watch the highlights, there's not many chances that Atletico Madrid created. And yet um, they came away 2-0 winners and kept a clean sheet, having conceded in eight consecutive games. That's it, isn't it? This felt like an Atletico Madrid type of performance and to use the horrible cliche the sign of a champion you don't play well but you still win um, which is why when we analysed and talked about the two games against Levante where they dropped points it's like well look in a way this was Atletico back to front mm. this was an Atletico creating a lot and not scoring and now they've gone the other way I mean to put this in numerical terms for you against Levante in two games 42 shots <laughs> against Villarreal 6 mm. Uh, of which five are on target, in fairness, and Sergio Senjo does make one absolutely fabulous save from Luis Suarez, yes. um, high up near the near the near post. Um, the I think there was a huge amount of pressure on them. I think I think the the Chelsea game actually did them some damage as well. I think it created a doubt about who they are and what they want to try and do. I think that obviously the two games against Levante did them a lot of damage because that's you know a draw and a defeat when you're probably expecting six points from it, you're only getting one. That changes the way the table looks entirely. The fact that they knew that Real Madrid was next because obviously had Atletico Madrid lost this weekend, then you've got Barca right behind you, you've got Real Madrid right on you and you've got Real Madrid coming next week and you think, oh, this is where it, this is where it goes. This mm. whole thing slips out of our hand. And I think you could see that a bit. And I, I realise that Simeone is like this quite often. But watching Simeone last 15 minutes, he was absolutely doing his nut for the last 15 minutes. And they were 2-0 up. They had a two-goal cushion. And he was still... I mean, he was leaping about. He was yeah. he was kind of pulling that's, at his that, hair. That's what the, for some of our transatlantic listeners who might not know... Oh, sorry, sorry. Go, 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 going wild, going yeah. crazy, um, um, losing the plot. Um, I mean, obviously, you know... Part I, I was going to say part of it is a show, but I'm actually not sure it is without the fans. I think it's I think it is just him. He looked exhausted at the final whistle. Mm. He literally ran, which we've seen him do before, admittedly. But but he ran from the touchline right to the dressing room, which is at the end of the pitch, not at the side at, at Villarreal. Because there's a little like secret a, door. They've got like a secret door, a makeshift dressing room for the away team. Um, but the one of the funny things about that, this a little aside, was before the game. The dressing room's literally under the, the stand at one end. It's like a blue secret door that just opens up and the players come out. They came out the dressing room, walked along the touchline, and went down the tunnel where the normal dressings would normally be, to which there is no dressing room for them, just so they could do the official coming out the tunnel thing with... Yeah. Now, I imagine if you're watching on the you probably didn't see that, because no. it probably cuts to it as they're coming out of the tunnel. Of it looks like the two teams are coming out of the tunnel as normal. Well, that's but they've just walked it. down yeah. the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> they've walked across the pitch, gone into the tunnel just so they can come out again. Anyway... So he runs off at the end and he's shouting. And one of the nice things, I suppose, about being in an empty stadium, that is under the stand. And there must be either the metal door itself or the the, the, the seating or some barriers or something in there. Because within about a minute of him going in there and one or two players have gone in as well, you could hear hands against metal going, yes, come on, brilliant. And I think there was a real awareness that this was a weekend in which the league could have taken a... not. You know, not completely gone out of their hands, but taken a big shift away from them. Um, and of course, now what happens is the pressure is now translated onto Real Madrid, having mm. previously been, first of all, on Barcelona, although maybe less so because they've kind of given up on the league. It's maybe a little bit on Sevilla because a chance to perhaps get in the title race, but then very definitely on Atletico Madrid. And the fact that they hadn't won at Villarreal for five years, the fact that Suarez hadn't scored for three games. The fact that they'd had injuries and still not got all of them back, that they'd just been beaten by Chelsea, that they got Real Madrid next, that they look at the league table, and I, I looked at this earlier, their lowest lead going into a round of games for eight weeks, or six weeks, I think it was, actually. You've had five, sevens, tens, five, um, and, and then this week, three. 
And of course, three is now you're in touching distance. Now, I know they've still got a game in hand, but they've only got one now. All the way through season, we've been adding up, well, there's an extra six points there. Even if they win it, there's only an extra three now. And so, had they lost this weekend, I think it... Poof, I think emotionally, the impact would have been genuinely gigantic. It's a huge win. You mentioned Diego Simeone, quite exuberant at the final whistle. João Felix, mm. after scoring his goal, wasn't quite exuberant. He was angry. Yeah, he didn't start the game. He came on as a sub. He scored and he didn't even smile for a minute. It, it, it was immediate and he kind of stood in a sort of defiant to- defiant pose and then shouted... Um, Caela puta boca caraixo, which is a nice mix of Spanish and Portuguese, um, which is basically shut your effing mouth for F's sake, pretty much. Rough translation. Um, And he's looking towards the side of the pitch. It's difficult to know exactly who he's looking at, but it's very difficult. It wasn't wasn't you. It wasn't me as far as I know. (laughs) Wouldn't it be amazing if Jao Felix came out and said publicly, yeah, I was having a go at that idiot on that podcast <laughs> who was saying that I wasn't that you, good. You know anymore. the one, he can't count. He can't count, he's an absolute muppet. You know what? He should do that, because it would get him off the hook with his manager and his teammates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a suggestion um, on one of the radio shows last night, and in fact, I think one of the TV shows said it, although I was really suspicious about this, because they one of them put it on Twitter. And then I think, I'm not sure which way around it was. And then the other one did it almost at the same time. It makes me think, I wonder if one saw the other and just thought, yeah, let's just run with this. The suggestion was that Lottie had been winding winding Jao Felix up. Yes. Saying, it's ages since you scored. Um, come on, mate, you've got to get a goal. But that seems to me Lottie like... Lottie, who's supposed to be his friend. That's the thing. And that seems to me that if that was some sort of wind up between mates... Yeah. Surely the reaction wouldn't be as angry as this. It would be a bit sort of more tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. I, so the suggestion is, of course, that he's saying it to Simeone or he's saying it to someone in the technical staff. Yeah. Simeone, after the game, actually thought handled this very well. He, he, did, he, he did. was very smiley about yeah. it. And he said, he said, um, he said, well, you'll have to ask him. And he said, uh, and I'm not going to ask him until training. So maybe in the next press conference, you'll have to ask me what he said. <laughs> and then I'll decide whether I'm going to tell you or not. <laughs> and then he said, anyway, I want players to rebel. Yeah. And I thought, I don't know about you, I thought Simeone had a little dig at Joel Felix in this response. He said, I want players to rebel. I want players who have the pride and the passion and the and the strength to overcome bad times. And I want players for whom scoring a goal when they have gone, uh, he actually said, un tiempito, a little while. Yeah. But it's a very kind of slightly yeah, yeah, yeah. backhanded little while, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. A little while without scoring. He actually asks the press officer, Juan Juanaut, how long it is since since Jao Felix has scored? He says, I don't know how long, uh, a while. And I thought that was him saying, yeah, yeah. you want to have a moan? Yeah. Try putting the ball in the net, sunshine. Yeah. Um, I've just turned Simeone into a Cockney, but you know what I mean. I suppose in a way he sort of is a Cockney manager, isn't he? Do you not um, think he's sort of a bit of a... No, not you know, so much. But yeah, like in the sort of the sort of atom personality. Run, run around a bit. Run around a bit, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, anyway, and he said, he said, but I, I want, I want rebellious players. I want pride, proud players. He said, give a rebel, give them to me. Hmm. Um, I do wonder how he will handle this. I also heard a really interesting suggestion last night on one of the. In fact, I say last night. I was listening to it actually on the train on the way here this afternoon, having finished, finally finished writing, and. Um, and the suggestion was that there was a tweet from Luis Suarez with Joe Felix, the two of them arm in arm, yep. smiling, and Luis Suarez yep. saying, great result. Yeah. And the suggestion, I think it was uh, Alejandro Romero on... Yeah. Um, no, uh, Larguero. On El Larguero. Saying, um, saying uh, what was it? <sighs> saying Luis Suarez is so sharp and so clever politically 
So he'd have realised this kicks off. Yeah. So you get him, you do a smiley picture, and you take all the heat out of it straight away. And I thought, actually, you know what? I can believe that. The ha- uh, he put a hashtag, siempre positivo, yeah. as well. well. Although, to be fair, he's been using that hashtag for a while now. Swarov. Yeah. Right. But I, I think Swarov is a very, very clever um, kind of, what would you call it? Group manager yeah. in that sense. And and I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if that was... If, if that, yeah. yeah, strategist is a good word. Yeah. If that was entirely deliberate. Okay. Um, let's have a word about Villarreal, because they haven't won in bloody mm. ages. Unai Emery is in trouble. Unai Emery is in theory in trouble. I yeah. think I think he is in a little bit of trouble now. Um, what, what, why do you think it is that they're not they're not winning matches because they're drawing a, a hell of a lot of games? They actually played pretty well in this. Game. Well, that's the thing. In the, in the in the first half, they really dominated. Had a lot of possession. They've got a brilliant brilliant striker in Gerard Moreno. Okay, he um, played very well indeed, didn't he? Yesterday, very. They, they lost Paco that... Alcácer uh, in the warm up and. Um, mm. He probably plays a little bit better when he plays off a forward, Gerard. Yes, know, because but... he plays as a sort of a narrow right-sided attacker, doesn't yes. he, rather than as a centre-forward. Yeah. Um, I The weird thing is, I actually think in a way that last night's game is not a good example for the analysis of what's wrong with them. Partly is because you say they played very well and they were beaten by Atletico Madrid and they were very unfortunate to get beaten by them. Right. And actually, in the absence of Paco Alcácer, with Gerard Moreno up front and Samuel Chukwesi playing on the right, Samu played very well. Or at least yeah. he was very threatening. Yeah. I always felt like the final decision was, mm. was, was sometimes not, not, not the <laughs> yeah. best. But I, I think what we saw yesterday, actually, it's curious because you say Villarreal controlled the game in the first half and I thought that was in keeping with what's happened to them recently. Well, the second half wasn't because Atletico Madrid had 15 minutes where they create two or three chances and then they just tried to protect themselves. And Villarreal started making lots of chances. The last 15 minutes, I think Villarreal had six, maybe seven shots on goal from 77 minutes onwards. Um, I, I say that because I was noting it down earlier and actually going through it. Um, and they had a lot of chances and just didn't take them. And I actually don't think that's what's happened to them recently. I think what's happened to them recently is that they're a very nice, technically very good team who actually lack a little bit of bite or imagination or inspiration in that final third mm-hmm. and I think that's why they've drawn too many games because I actually think there's for all that they play nice football I think there's a little touch of conservatism about them which actually I didn't think we saw last night mm-hmm. and I think that's fundamentally what's happened I think I think they've kind of found their level and their level certainly with this slight touch of conservatism is probably not top four uh, we were all getting pretty excited about Pau Torres in the opening half of the mm. season. He made a couple of noticeable errors last night. It's very weird because watching him live last night, until that first error, yeah. I was again thinking, what a nice player he is. Yeah. His footwork's good. He brings the ball out. He's very, very calm. He he seems to be in complete control of every situation. And then he gave the ball away twice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think he's a lovely footballer. I mean, he made a mistake on the on the Jao Felix goal. It's not a great clearance. That said, in fairness to him, it bounces in a, in one of those at one of those heights. You're not sure whether you can go with your body or you've got to go with your head. Yeah. He goes with his head. He doesn't make a very good job of it, and he gives it away. He gave it away. It's him that gives it away, isn't it, for the Suarez shot that that Asenjo saves. And that was him again trying to bring the ball under control. I still think, watching him last night, there was a smoothness about him, which maybe is the bias of the left footer. I think Uh whenever you see a left footer, it tends to look a little bit more smooth than a a right-footed player. Um, But yes, it was was unusually... um, what would you call it? Accident prone from him yesterday. Mm. Um, if you're enjoying what you're listening to, guys, we do have a Patreon page where we do lots of uh, bonus extra content. If you fancy joining, patreon.com forward slash TSFP, supporting the podcast and getting lots of content for your money. Tuesdays, Q&A podcast. Thursdays, bonus podcast. We've got a, a new series of TSFP Presents as well. Uh, we began it last week. It's called Sliding Doors. 
There's a clip of the first episode uh, out here on the Monday podcast feed. We discuss the biggest turning points in La Liga history, starting with uh, Alfredo Di Stefano joining Real Madrid over Barca. If that sounds uh, interesting to you, come and join us. Patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Before we go, a quick mention of uh, Getafe and that 3-0 victory mm. over Valencia. They absolutely needed that. I mean, this was a huge, huge game. We spoke of this being a, a big match day in La Liga. It was big at the top and really big at the bottom as well. And this was one of the biggest games. Yeah, it was. And this was, this was very, very big. And they, they responded, Getafe, really well because, as you mentioned earlier, they, they've not even had a shot on, on, on goal in the last four games. They scored three this time. Admittedly, one of them is an absolute... Just a, just extraordinary shot from Barry Adam Barry. That said, I wonder if there's a s- little bit more the keeper could have done. Yeah. A little bit, but it's just a, it's just a, an incredible shot out of nothing. Then, of course, the game is conditioned by by red card. Uh, Diakabi gets gets sent off for a minute. Actually, Gabriel thought he'd been sent off as well, but the VAR intervened, um, and not because it said it wasn't a foul, but because they said it was already offside, so it didn't matter. And I think. Apparently, if he'd lost, he might have been out. Borderless, this game, this was he was yeah. walking the tightrope. Yeah, and 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 you know this this wasn't this was sort of Getafe being a bit more like Getafe again. There were a few challenges in the first half which were woof, and one of them, and and we actually mentioned it on the pod account because there's there's a nice clip of it. It didn't even give a foul. Yeah, for an absolutely creaming tackle. Now I realise there is a there is a caveat here, which is he gets the ball first. But he gets the ball. And just goes, I can't remember who, who it's on, actually. Is it on Vass? I think it's on Vass, isn't it? Just straight through him and just completely creams him. Um, but Getafe got a little bit of that back and it gives them a little bit of a cushion from the relegation zone. It makes you think, I know you can't say this just because one week to the next it looks slightly different, but you sort of think there's just enough there, isn't there, for them to probably not get dragged into a relegation fight. The same should be true of Valencia as well, by the way, even though they're not in a great position. And of course, that was what prompted the tears from Gabriel because the touchline reporter... Uh, what's her name? Christina Bear. No, it was the, it was was it the girl in Madrid whose name is ah. Inma Rodriguez. Oh, yes. I think it's Rodriguez. Def- definitely Inma. And she basically was kind of underlying Valencia's position. You know, you haven't won since this, uh, this is the league position. And that's when he broke. He sort yeah. of said it. Because he'd actually been talking for a bit until then. This yeah. wasn't the first question. He said it's actually really, the phrase he used was called either. It's, it's screwed messed up. up. It's messed up. It's horrible. It's, gut- it's gutting to hear that, I suppose, yeah. is, is one possible translation. And then he's, you know, he could he could sort of feel the lump in his throat, and his his voice breaks, and he and he and he stands behind the screen where they get the interview after he's finished, where they do the interviews, sort of on his own crying. But of course, the screen is transparent, so you can see him in the background. Um, I don't know about you, and I I think this is probably too facile, but I'm going to go down this route anyway, even though I'm uncomfortable with it myself. Seeing him cry and then hearing Javi Gracia was quite a contrast, because hmm. Javi Gracia is so even toned and so kind of Rob, Javi Gracia doesn't want to be there well, exactly. he wants them to but this, him. this is and this is the thing it, this is the thing isn't it Pauli so said he just renewed he loves this club exactly. he wants to be the captain he wants and, to leave and that's him. the thing so you listen to Javi Gracia and this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm a bit reluctant to go down this route too far because Javi Gracia is just like this he's just calm right. it's just the way he talks it's just his tone but the contrast was <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here's yeah. a guy who cares and to be honest, here's a guy who doesn't. Yeah. And I don't think that's right, because I think Javi yeah, Garcia yeah, does yeah. have professional pride, and I think he does want his team to win. But I think it does underline part of the problem that they've got, is that they've got a manager there that they don't want, and a manager there who doesn't want to be there. Hmm. And they are sticking with him, and he's sticking with them, for the wrong reasons. 
money <laughs> or lack Basically. of yes 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 all right um we can have more discussion of that on our q a pod if you want if there's anything that we didn't talk about and you want us to talk about send us a question and we will talk about it tomorrow um join us over at patreon.com forward slash tsfp otherwise we'll be back here next week as we always are adios cheerio Podcast Network.